And we waited 10 minutes for my mother-in-law to figure out how to unmute herself. Everyone was talking at the same time. My son was yelling at me because I was asking who is watching The Undoing and who they thought did it. It was really weird, but it was great. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to Secrets of a Sober Mom. We hope you all had a nice and safe Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving in a time of COVID, right, Vanessa? Oh my, is just is I have no words, Leslie, to describe. I know. There's like there's like a cognitive dissonance, right? You're happy you're sober and healthy-ish if you don't have COVID, you know, but you're also so angry and frustrated that it's what we're living right now. Plus all the normal crazy feelings you have about recovery and sobriety if this is your first Thanksgiving sober. Mm -hmm. So crazy. Crazy. I think there, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of ways I think we can tackle this, this episode, right? If we're talking about a recovery and holidays, right? It's, and it really is dependent on where, where we are, where you are in your, in your recovery journey. Right. Oh, mm -hmm. Um, totally true. It, it's, I was reading some things on a Facebook group and, um, somebody said to me that the hardest part, um, for them is, is not actually the act of not drinking, but it's, it's being resentful. It's watching everyone else drink. It's, um, <clears throat> it's, um, missing out, right. So much yep. missing out. And I think when I think of missing out, I mean, it's so much, wow. For me, it's so much bigger than that this year, right? Because we are all, we all are missing out yeah. on so many things. Right, right. Um, and a lot of people are complaining and I, and, I, and I get it because the world is so fucked up right now. And, you know, in early, I interrupted you, sorry. <laughs> Go, I just, I'm in kind of- early, I mean, especially, yes, in early sobriety, you know, we're taught life on life terms, life on life terms, life on life terms, but that could be really, really fucking hard, you know? And a lot of people really are so resentful of, what is going on and I can't be with my family and things are so different and I can't have a hundred people over and it does suck. Um, but I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm definitely more, I'm thinking like, like we could survive. It's one day, it's one holiday, you know, let's just all do what we need to do. So next holiday, everyone could be alive and well, and we could all go back to doing yeah. it normally. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I digress a little bit, but I just kind of, I just kind of, I, I wanted I to call like I needed to be, I felt like I just needed to be honest about that, you know? Yeah. And I think in a certain way, right? Like it's not your, you or I's first sober holiday, right? Right. But, um, but we are reminded of what it's like in the sense that it is our first Thanksgiving like this. Like in COVID, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it so it's using element. the same yeah. sort of tools of like in early sobriety, 
okay, for me, if, if this is my first holiday, um, I would have to change my, what worked for me sometimes, and we can go more into that, but was to say like, I'm making a choice not to drink. I've got choices. I'm an adult and Thanksgiving and um, it's going to look a little bit different. It's going to look different this year and I'm not going to drink this year and we'll see what happens next year. And for me, it's not about drinking, but it's about accepting the fact that, um, that I also too have a choice to, um, to know that this year is going to look different. And I have to look through the grateful lens versus the scarcity lens. Right. And mm. know that I'm grateful to have my immediate family. Um, and next year will be different. Right. We want to talk about the holidays and recovery, but also keeping in mind that it's just so not a normal holiday in recovery. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every time people bring up drinking and the holidays, recovery and the holidays, I'm always reminded of this guy who was in my home group. Anika had many, many years of sobriety and he was great. And he um, had a lot of great things to say. However, whenever the holiday time came up, which starts, I guess, you know, November through Christmas, Hanukkah, um, New Year's, he always referred to this time as the, you know, the hurricane season. And a lot of people related to that, but I, I never did. I never did. That was not, that was not like, that was not the way I rolled with my drinking. And I know drinking is progressive and, you know, when you, alcoholism is, alcoholism is a progressive disease. So, you know, when you start drinking and you, by the time you and your drinking career, you know, it, those two places, you know, look very, you know, very different. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't start drinking, you know, like an animal, um, until 2012 when Steven and I separated and that time I was drinking a lot and not normally, but that time looked very different than when, you know, the day, that, you know, I was in my closet chugging a cheap bottle of vodka and my kids found me. But um, when I started drinking alcoholically, you know, in 2012, it really didn't matter what day it was. And if we're talking about a holiday, the way I drank, it was Groundhog's Day. It didn't matter if it was a random Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or New Year's Eve. I didn't mm-hmm. drink. I didn't drink any differently. I don't know. How right. about you? Um, you know, similar to you in that alcoholism is progressive. And I think um, it started out where, um, you know, looking back, I guess I could see that I got more excited than anybody else when I was 25, that p- people got to drink the way that we normally don't on the holidays. We didn't, I didn't grow up in a big drinking family. So, you know, looking back, it was one of those things that I, I remember feeling excited, like, oh, oh, we can drink all kind of all day. Like, this is great. And, um, you know, fast forwarding a couple of years and, um, 
in a treatment episode or a treatment stay. And then my drinking at the holidays changed because I had to hide it from everybody. Right. So for the next 10 years, I spent myself, my holidays, um, either trying to convince everybody that I was okay. And I was controlling (laughs) that illusion of control. Right. That is like the worst place where I'm trying to control my Mm. drinking or sell to everybody else that I'm controlling my drinking because I knew it was complete bullshit. Like I was never controlling my drinking. So it was either, you know, one year I might be controlling my drinking. Everything is so good. And then the next year I might be hiding my wine in a coffee cup and pretending that I wasn't drinking. Or then, you know, one year it could be stealing vodka out of a freezer and drinking that and then, you know, carrying on like I'm drinking water or fizzy water. So, I mean, it showed up in so many different ways depending on where, where I was at in my addiction. Um, And it was never fun. I mean, I would say once I knew what I knew about addiction, drinking was never fun. Right. And the holidays were either a, um, you know, the, the holidays were, and ex- were an opportunity to be drunk when everyone else was drinking like a normal person. You know, that's it, how it you, the one that's day how you that thought I, about the holidays. That's how I that, that's how I thought about them in the sense that for a very long time it was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm drinking all the time. This is a holiday where I can actually drink my face off, and everyone else is drinking too, so I fit right in. Right. So funny. Right? I, that that that's probably the norm. That is probably the norm. I, unless I don't remember, (laughs) I just don't remember ever feeling like I'm going to drink any differently. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, like I drank normally for most of my life until I did. Right. And once I crossed that line, you know, it didn't matter. Like it didn't matter what day it was or where I was. Once I crossed that line, I drank the same amount. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and everyone has a different story, I guess. About well, and for me, it was like their disease, right? I mean, some people say they knew that from the moment alcohol touched their lips, that they were an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, that wasn't my story. I did not I did not know that. I did not think that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that just speaks to um, to the complexity and the reason that this is so hard because there is, because it is progressive and because everybody's drinking looks so differently. But I think at, at the core, um, we're all the same. And at the core, we want to be accepted. At the core, we want to fit in. At the core, we want to be just like everybody else. At the core, we don't want to feel the shame of being different, right? At the core, we feel like where the hell was the like how to live life handbook? Like, where was I when they passed that out? Because I must have like been in the bathroom or something and missed the handbook. Because (laughs) like at the core, regardless of what our drinking looked like at the holidays, we are all we are all feeling like misfits, 
right? We are all feeling like we are missing out or that we are being punished because we can't drink. And, um, and that is why I think that is why community is so important. Um, because I can say that to you and you can be like, right. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, that's true. And it's, it's interesting because even though there's so much commonality, so much with alcoholics, you know, and they're thinking um, everyone, you know, alcoholism is not one size fits all. And mm-hmm. everyone has a different story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I want to read part of this. This was, um, and I won't I won't say her name, but um, this was a post that was posted on a um, recovery group that really spoke to me. Um, and I think it speaks to a lot of us. Um, but she, but this woman writes that she thinks, and this is kind of what I alluded to at the onset of the podcast. But the hardest part of early sobriety during the holidays won't actually be the act of not drinking, but the pretending that it's easy or comfortable or no big deal. It's hard and it sucks. Mm. And we, and she said for me, and I'm assuming many of us, we cannot express those thoughts out loud to the company we're in or around the dinner table on Thanksgiving. And so we will try our hardest not to stare longingly at the bottles on the counter or the drink in the hand. We will smile our way through it. We will toast with our water or a mocktail or a Diet Coke. And for most of us, it will be painful and uncomfortable. For some, it will be easy, second nature. And for me, I feel like that spoke to me. And then I also, um, somebody else echoed that in that it's um, struggling that. with that constant desire and having to act like it's no big deal, right? Right. Um, in early sobriety. Or correct. In early in sobriety. In early sobriety. Yeah. And then- but it's, um, but I guess for me, for those in early sobriety, it's like, it really is just getting through it and understanding that by the time Thanksgiving rolls around the next year, you will have another year of doing whatever recovery looks like for you. You will have, right. your mind will shift so much and your thoughts and um, there's just so much growth can happen in a year or a week or a day in recovery if you're doing the deal. And now like us, Les, like we, we have a little bit of time under our belt and our problems are completely different. Um, Yeah. But I use the program and what I've learned about, um, about controlling the things I can't and not controlling the things I can. Yep. (laughs) Like, yeah, at the the beginning, you know, I use those things around alcohol and today I use those things around family. Family. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, there's everyone when they first get sober, you know, has a first, you know, my, you know, my first birthday sober, my first, you know, whatever sober. And, I got sober in April and it was right before Passover. And Mm. if you know the holiday, it involves a lot of wine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I remember, you know, I was kind of like still on that pink cloud. 
I was, I, I, mm-hmm. you know, I am one of those who in early, early sobriety was on a pink cloud and I didn't want to drink per se, but I was absolutely having the thoughts of, oh shit. You know, I wish I could just drink like a normal person. I wish I, you know, I could just have, you know, those couple of glasses of, you know, the wine in my goblet. Drink like and, a normal you know, person. Drink yes. like a normal <laughs> person. And all I had to do, you know, was just start the tape in my head, which, you know, is the opening scene is always the same. Me sitting in my closet, chugging a huge, you know, bottle, like one of the jug handle bottles mm-hmm. of the most- Like dis- the rock, what is it? Carlo Rossi? Oh, no, yeah. it was like, oh. I, I drank at the end- what was it called? There was a, a couple of them that were disgusting. Majorska, I think was one of them. And um, Svetka, maybe. I don't know. I just I just bought whatever was cheap. Oh, it was disgusting. So that was always the opening scene, you know, when I played the tape. Um, and, you know, I remember, you know, watching every glass being poured, mm-hmm. you know, and every glass, there was like a little doubt about my resolve, you know, and it was really, it was really, really hard, you know, Mm -hmm. and no, I wasn't, you know, one of those who had, um, this is just my personal thing, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have a wine glass or a wine goblet with, you know, fucking grape juice. I had a water glass and, um, Mm -hmm. You know, I had just had a regular water glass, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually love manna. Do you know what Manischewitz is? That's mm-hmm. the, that's a, <laughs> it's a Jewish Passover wine. Okay. And it's um, the alcohol. I have a lot to learn about. Is yeah. Jewish. You know, hang with me. I'll, t- I'll teach you. Yeah. Stuff. Um, it tastes like grape juice. It's really sweet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have, I don't think it has a high alcohol content. I, I don't think it does. Um, and then, and then we say, and then less to interchange. Not to, well, not to interrupt you, but totally to interrupt you. This is, I'm reminded of another thing that made, that enabled me to rationalize in my head that like, it was more like, this isn't fair. This is not happening to me. This cannot be true. I'm Italian. We made, my grandfather made wine. (laughs) We drank, right? And then in my head, I'm thinking like, you're, you're, I'm thinking I'm Italian. Of course they drink wine. This is what we do. This is right. And so then in my head, that would compound my frustration and my anger when everyone else was drinking wine and I wasn't, I'm like, what the hell? Like now, now I'm different because I can't drink and now I'm Italian and I can't drink. And like, it just made me feel more alienated. And, and I, and I say that because I feel like that's you and your story. Like, this is what we do on Passover. This is this is what we've always done. This is what all my ancestors have done. Right. And, and why? it's not just one night. It's two nights. It's right. two fucking nights of of that ritual of pouring the wine. Of, yep. You know. So yeah. um yeah, so that was that was I got through it. And like I said, I was, I was on a pink cloud. It was very, very early in my sobriety, you know, but um, yeah, that, that feeling of just wanting to drink like a normal, like a normal person, but intellectually, you know, that you can't, 
You know, you know that you can. Yeah. I didn't know that when I first walked into AA. I mean, that was my goal. My goal was to drink like a normal person, right? Yeah, and I think um, at the core of that, it's it's that separateness, right? It's that um, we feel alone in a crowded room, always. And when we're and when we're in a place where everyone is, you know, from the outside enjoying this holiday and this wine and this custom and this ritual, um, we are suffering in our own pain, and you know, it, it, once again, for me, it's just like, here I am in this space that should be joyous and happy. And I am like, just completely suffering and, and separate from everything. Mm. And, and, and I chose to stay there for a very long time, not willingly. I mean, it's really freaking hard to get sober. It was one of the hardest, like I, I say, it was, probably the hardest thing that I've, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life, second to losing my father um, to cancer. And it's a different kind of hard, but um, I'm not going to lie. It is fucking hard. It is hard. But, um, but if the obsession and the compulsion did not go away and if life didn't get better, then we wouldn't be four and five and six and 20 and 30 years exactly. sober. Right. Exactly. And, and that's what I have, what I had to hang on to was when I made that decision to change my life. Right. And that will come whenever that comes for everybody. Yep. Um, then, and only then can things change. Exactly. And, and be- yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, And at the beginning, you know, I think this will come up a lot um, because it's just, you know, just um, core. But the beginning, I literally, when I mean I I could not imagine going an hour without drinking, an hour, because it was literally, you know, a physical, I, I needed that alcohol to feel physically okay. And it was a mental obsession as well. And once, and I remember sitting um, on the couch in the lobby of the church in one of my meetings, um, who talking to this amazing girl who now I sponsor. Um, and she just said to me, I, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I can't imagine it. And I promised her that once that, physical um, feeling was gone and that mental obsession, you know, um, became mitigated that it was going to get a lot easier. It was going to get a lot easier. And it, you know, it's impossible. You don't, you don't feel it. Like you just can't see it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when that, when that day happens, you, all right, I could, maybe I could do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And it's that's when the higher power steps in and it's like, all right, like you do the legwork, you do the next right thing. And it's like, I don't want to oversimplify getting sober because it's really hard, but at the same time, it needs to be, and can be so simple because that is another thing that we, um, that I see happening is that, especially now in COVID times, right. Where it's like, we're at home and we read and our minds go 
And as addicts, it's like that hamster wheel that goes and the hamster wheel is part of it, right? Like we're all going to be on that hamster wheel. That's part of the process. But, um, but for me, if I would encourage anybody in early sobriety or not early sobriety, because we all have that, like just to stop, right. And to take a breath and, um, and to remember that right here, right now is where we're at. And Mm -hmm. And we have choices and it, and it might look like, and it should look like calling another sober person Yep. Um, to say it out loud, just say it out loud, you know? And I, I think that that would probably be my biggest tool for sobriety in the early days is, and the one thing that I, I hear so many times people are like, oh, I feel so good in these meetings. I feel so good because everybody like gets it. And then it's like when we're alone and we're suffering and we're angry, it's like we forget that there's somebody else out there that's alone and suffering and angry. And if we just pick up the phone and we say, I'm alone, I'm suffering and I'm angry. And they're like, oh my gosh, me too. And then you have this camaraderie and you're like, all right, we can do this. Right. And so it truly is leaning on other people and, and remembering that like, this is not forever. This will not be acute forever, even right. though it feels like it might right. be, right? And I'm reading a book right now and and this woman in it has cancer and and um she is dying and her husband is like they just got married, right? They're young and she's dying. And her husband, they were watching TV or something, and her husband said something not related to cancer and was like, Hey, do you want to go see whatever? And she snapped at him and was like, like, how do you have time to think about this stuff? Like outside of cancer, you know, because in her mind, she's consumed with it. Right. And she's like, and he says to her, can't we just have one night off of cancer? Mm. And she says to him, like, I don't get a night off. Why should anybody else? And I feel like it's the same way with addiction. It's like, when I would see my spouse carrying on, it'd be like, how come he can have a night off? Like, how come I'm always have, I always have to be on. Like, that's not fair. Like, how come I can't get a night off? When I read that, I was like, oh my God, that's like addiction. Like I should get a night off of being an addict. And knowing that, that there will be plenty of nights off, right? Um, As you get more and more, as we get more and more into recovery, it's like, that's not what's consuming me today by any stretch. Right. Um, but at the onset, it feels like it will be um, my life forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so. And I was, just, I was just thinking about something that I think that a lot of people decide to get sober, you know, right after a holiday because they've had mm-hmm. some, you know, awful experience or right before a holiday because they don't, you know, want to make an ass out they of don't them. want to make an ass out of themselves you <laughs> right. know um you know and I, it's you know people look at it, it i i love i love optimal environments like i've always been like that like whatever i do like i just want i want the optimal environment and it, I, optimal <laughs> environment. I love i did okay, i, can't I did whether like you know i don't know when you know when i was drinking and you know, it was a nice night. Like I, I wanted like the perfect drink in the perfect setting, you know, outside the perfect restaurant. I don't know. I, 
Mm-hmm. I just always wanted, you know, where if I was home, like I wanted, you know, the fireplace to be on and the temperature. To, I just always liked, I don't know. I, I just, I like, I love it. No, it's not. I you're not nuts. Optimal, I just like how you're describing you know, this. Yeah. Like I was always about an optimal environment. And when I finally had no choice, but to go to rehab, if I ever wanted to be with my kids again, it was in the middle of the winter. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it was right after New Year's. It was right after New Year's Eve, surprisingly. Oh. And mm-hmm. I was like, if I'm going to go to rehab, I am going, you know, to Malibu. And, you know, at this point I had just, everyone had just ran from my life. My, you know, I was my friends, you know, Steve, like everyone. And, you know, thank God my mother and my sister stood by my side. And my mom was like, you know, Les, you're going to Jersey. <laughs> you're, you're staying in New Jersey. So, and I couldn't make any decisions for myself at that point. And there I was, you know, shipped off to rehab, you know, in New Jersey in, you know, the beginning of January, it was, you know, 19 degrees not an optimal environment, not an optimal environment, not an optimal environment. And, you know, I remember the first, um, we'll talk about my rehab experience. I talk about my rehab experience in, in different episodes, which at the end turned out to be not what it was when I first stepped in the door. But, um, I do remember it never is the very next morning, you know, I woke up and I, went outside to have a cigarette. Cause I don't know. I, I was, I don't smoke. I smoked a little bit. I dabbled in cigarettes, but when you're in rehab, you smoke. Mm-hmm. And I was smoking, Oh, like, what was I smoking? What are those? Um, menthol. What's mm-hmm. the, that was like the cool thing in rehab back. Yeah. In the day, yeah. But like the I grossest brands. Um, oh, okay. I can't think, I, I, I don't, don't remember what it was. And I would stand outside freezing, shivering, you know, with my cigarette that I had bumped off of someone because I did not smoke. I didn't bring cigarettes. No one in my orbit smoked. So I couldn't even like call someone and tell them to send me cigarettes. Not, no, not an optimal environment. I do remember though, you know, it was pretty outside. The grounds were pretty and there were these Adirondack chairs Mm -hmm. um, right next to the, like the butt hut. I think that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. The places you smoke, the butt hut. I'm like, mm-hmm, I could be making probably. it up. And I, I do remember thinking, oh my God, this would be so much better if it was nice and warm. And I was able to sit on that Adirondack chair with my cigarette. This would be so much easier. I do remember thinking that. Mm. So I digress. I don't know. And then, and then, I mean, you would keep drinking. And, and then it's like, if it was beautiful and it was warm, there would be something else be like, oh, right. you yeah. know, this, if this chair was a different color and there was maybe an umbrella or maybe, oh right. God. It's like, it, it, and it, it all comes, I mean, really it's all, we all circle back to, um, to optimal environments start with us and that yep. is where the work is. Yep. Right. Yep. Because it's like today, I mean, I used to always, always, always look for, I just never had gratitude. Like I never was grateful. I was always looking for um, what somebody else had, right? Oh, I have this, but somebody else has this. Mm-hmm. I have this, but um, but I didn't know how to just be at peace with what I had. Um, and that is one thing that sobriety has given me in that like Thanksgiving was a complete 
not anything like it normally looks for me. I mean, we were going to, we had quarantined for 14 days. We were going to have my brother or my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law over, and they were going to come into our house for the first time since March. And then some things happened and we had to shift outside the last second in Seattle. It's cold, mind you, starting to rain, not prepared. And I was like, you know what? We can do this. Like we can make the best of a really unfortunate situation, right? Not the optimal environment, but you know, I've got neighbors who have tables that I can bring outside and tablecloths and you know, I have- So you sat outside with, a, with winter jackets? So we sat outside. We sat That's outside. Awesome. I put a table out. I put some candles out. We have a propane fire pit we turned on. And we had, we bundled up with scarves and, um, and we, we had a, we had a non-traditional Thanksgiving, but we made the best of a situation that was handed to us. Right. You know, awesome. and, okay. and let me tell you this. One, one other thing I'm going to wrap with this. This is the crazy addict mind. I haven't drank. This will be, I mean, I'm this will be like my fourth, fifth Thanksgiving, yeah. not drinking. Yeah. And, um, and that's, it's not about that for me today. And we've had hundreds of dinners with my mother and my mother-in-law and sister-in-law since I got sober. Right. That's like, everybody knows, like, that's just my way of life. Well, as I was thinking about Thanksgiving yesterday, and this is the crazy attic brain, I thought to myself, oh, maybe we can, um, sorry, maybe we, maybe I can, um, maybe I should get a bottle of wine for them since it's Thanksgiving, right? Like, mind you, we haven't drank with them for over five years, for five years. Right. And I thought, oh, it's Thanksgiving. Maybe we should get a bottle of wine. And then I thought to myself, what a crazy idea. Like, why get a bottle of wine because it's Thanksgiving? Like, right. we've had hundreds of thousands of dinners with them without wine. Why would, why is it any different? <laughs> but right. it's just the crazy how, like, the addict can slip in. Yep. <clears throat> absolutely. So slightly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally blew off Thanksgiving. Uh, making Thanksgiving. I've made Thanksgiving for forever since um, Stephen and I were married. And then, you know, when we were not together for a long time, um, I didn't. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I just completely blew it off. And we ordered in from a diner, <laughs> and I was totally okay with it. I was totally okay sitting in the kitchen with the computer on with, you know, 15 squares in front of my face, everyone talking at the same time, yep. um, eating a sandwich. And I was completely, that was definitely not, I mean, in one sense it was optimal, but it was not, um, it was completely different than anything that I've ever done. And um, I, I was so, so happy, so happy, so at peace, so grateful, you know, it's my son's birthday in two weeks. So maybe we'll make a turkey and have a belated Thanksgiving. Um, doesn't matter. It did not, it did not matter to me. And I don't know, I don't know if I could have said that if I wasn't sober, I think it mm -hmm. would have been a much, I think it would have been a much bigger deal not an optimal environment. Yeah. I mean, I do think that it's just like you said, I mean, getting sober 
in my drinking, I was very black and white. It was very rigid, right? It's like, because my drinking was out of control. So I wanted to try to control everything else, but I couldn't, right? Everything else. And so, so many times I see that, you know, if things don't happen the way they should happen, because they've always happened this way, we, I spin, right? I would spin. But today I can say, all right, we're going to pivot. Now, what do we do? Right. And being able to look at just because it's the way that it's always been doesn't mean we can't, we can't change it up. Right. And I think that that's just life in general, right? It's like, choices. I didn't have choices for many, many years. And today I have choices and man, it's, it's incredible to figure out that you do have so many choices on any given day. Um, yeah, I don't know. Life is just so profoundly different today. Um, it is, but it takes a lot of work. To it get does there. all it good does. work, all good work, necessary work. So for many, many people, the holidays are hard. They're, they're, they are, they're hard, but they get easier. They absolutely get easier. Yeah. Right. And they get, and they get easier in so many more ways than not drinking. Right. I I feel like right now, Yes, if this is your first year, if this is your second year, they're hard. They're really hard. And my advice is to call somebody else in your shoes, in your same shoes and say, this is really hard because mm. it loses its power. It really, truly does. And know that tomorrow's another day. You know, and hang in. If this is your first, you know, holiday sober or your second holiday sober and it was not such an easy one. Um, it gets better. It just, mm-hmm. it just gets better. And you just have to trust that the people who have years of sobriety aren't just feeding you a line of crap. Like you have exactly. to trust that it gets better. Exactly. And it's not just, you know, us trying to feed you some like, you know, sanguine bullshit. Like it, like it, it, like, we're living proof. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it gets better and it gets great. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not without the work. And I think we could, and we'll repeat that over and over again. So, all right, guys, hang in. There is so much to be grateful for. It's a crazy time, but together we're going to help you. We're going to help you get through this. And as always, yeah. we're cheering for you. Sharing for you. Now that I'm home.